Hello there once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation, and packing for walking El Camino de Santiago, as well as tips, tricks, and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. We want to give you the trip of a lifetime. To that end, this week we're talking to Zera Rizvi, who walked the Camino Frances last summer. We've already interviewed part of Zera's Camino family, Chris Corbett last episode, Dan Jarvis, hi Dan, Andrew Baker, who is an amazing singer as well. And so Zera, um, we're going to start the podcast like like we always do, like the ice-breaking question on the Camino de Santiago. This is not a decision we take lightly, and but we still are brave enough to make it. The decision to walk 500 miles across Spain how and why did you come to make that decision? So, hi everybody. Um, I actually did take it totally lightly. <laughs> I'm one of those. Good. Uh, somehow, yeah, I mean, I bought my ticket on um, Wednesday night and I left on a Monday because all of a sudden I was like, oh, I have like six weeks or seven weeks in front of me, so I'm going to do this. And uh, that's basically how that decision got made <laughs> in terms of preparation your preparation was just to make the decision and see how it goes uh yeah my whole camino was that way in fact as it turns out and it turned out to be one of the best uh experiences ever i had zero expectations about what so i mean i basically you know i yeah, I, I decided, I was like, oh, you know, I've got some time. I've been saying for the last like eight years that I want to do the Camino. So, and time is always something that uh, not a lot of people have. And, you know, I had the privilege to have that time. So I was like, okay, so this is normally the biggest blockage is time. And I've got it. So if I don't do this now, when will I manage to do it? And so it was that, and I knew I needed a backpack. I need, you know, I knew I needed some things. So I was like, I'll, I'll be able to manage and figure it out. I'm also, and maybe I should say this, I'm an aid worker, and I work in disasters. <laughs> so getting up and leaving and going somewhere quickly and being prepared, that's a part of my life. So that probably aided, like, so it didn't feel like it was a weird thing for me to do is make a decision and leave three days later. So I just want to backtrack a little bit to with the decision being eight years in the making. Ah. When you first got the urge to do it, why? what gave you that urge and why did you make the decision that you wanted to do it? So I heard about it in 2012. I remember the exact moment. I was working at that time. It was early 2012. Um, I was working at that time with the British Red Cross. I was living in Geneva. Me and a couple of British Red Cross colleagues went out to our office in Budapest, and I had two colleagues, um, one who was Irish, one who was Spanish. And I was talking about, oh, Budapest is so lovely. This is a great place to run. And somehow we started talking about, they brought up the Camino. And they were like, this is something you would enjoy. And it sparked, as soon as they said it, it sparked something in me. And I was like, this sounds like something I would absolutely love. And I hadn't been to Spain yet. And I, at that point, I actually spoke Spanish. I don't anymore. Um, and it just sounded, the way that they were talking about it and describing it, it just sounded like something that, you know, that I really 
wanted to do. And it's come up over the years, or it had been coming up over the years since then. And it was something that I'd always be like, oh, yeah, I should do it. I should do it. And I actually put it down as part of my 2019 goals list and said, I'm going to do it. And, you know, then and once I actually put down goals and, you know, it's it's there in writing. I try and hold myself accountable to it. So managed to find the time and was like, it's now or never. So eight years ago, they first said this to you and you said it, it captivated you and it's, you said it sounded like something that was really what you wanted to do in it. What, but what exactly did they say? And I'm asking that question because maybe someone's listening to this podcast now and they're sitting on the fence, they're undecided, and maybe what they said to you could motivate them to go as well. Good question. Um, they just, I mean, the way they described it, the community, I think that's uh, mm. the community and the um, freedom, the feeling of no obligation, the feeling of adventure. I think those were the things that captivated me around it. Um, and also that, yeah, that you go place from place with just your backpack and it's open and they talked about the albergues and it, that sense of, you know, putting one foot ahead of the other and you just have yourself to sort of make that happen but that there is a community and that there is, you know, a bunch of people doing it to separately but together at the same time. So that's probably, I've never had to think about this. So that's quite interesting that, um, yeah, that I'm, it, it's in hindsight, but it's pretty, that's what it would have been, the sense of community and mm. knowing that there was a route um, that was set out for people, that there was facilities along, along the way to, to make it easier. I love what you said there, and there's three words that I can pick out of that, and the three words are freedom. And I think back to a line from the movie Into the Wild. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's if you haven't, I'm not going to tell you about it, um, apart from the fact you should really, really watch it. Um, but it's about a guy that leaves uh, conventional life behind. He just graduates from university. He gives all of his savings to charity and he decides he's going to kind of tramp around America. Um, and he writes in his diary, uh, free from the irksome obligations of modern life. And I always carried that with me as I walked to my Camino. So I love that you mentioned that. And the adventure, I mean, my God, what, how, just, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it. Um, yeah. And the community, the community on the Camino, you, it just, I've said it before on this podcast, it brings out the best in you and everybody around you. And I think you get a glimpse into what some kind of golden age of humanity would look like if it existed. Um, and uh, you'd have a little, little taste of it with just how open everybody is with each other, all the pilgrims, and the locals, the saying hello to strangers, the helping each other, like the lollipop man, Chris yeah. Corbett, which is just one of the loveliest stories I've ever heard in my life, let alone about the Camino. So you're going to get freedom, you're going to get adventure, and you're going to get community, as well as what you said was turned out to be a great experience. So thanks for packaging all that, Zara, into something that sounds actually very attractive and probably most people would want to take loads of it. So um, yeah. good, good stuff. Now, I am intrigued to ask you another question here because... I like, I like it when people tell me they just went for it. 
They didn't plan it so much because sometimes if you dwell on stuff, you can find a lot of reasons maybe not to do something, but you just went for it. Now, yeah. what I like this, this could mean is on your first three or four days or first week or however long it was, was there anything when you were along the way you were thinking, oh, if I do the Camino, I won't do this again. I won't pack that again or I won't, I'll walk less or, you know, anything, any mistakes you made, you th- can you remember the first few days? Um, it's I figured out my mistakes the first day, and which is which is the hardest day. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you're going. I started at uh, Saint Jean Pied de Port, so and I I wasn't sure. Like I, I my level of fitness, I'd been struggling with some like health issues, and the health issues were literally related to the right side of my body and how it was functioning or not functioning. Turns out I also had a broken toe, which I didn't think I did, but mm. then it turns out I did. So I, I, I really wasn't sure how much of it I was going to do. And the first thing I did say to myself is be kind to yourself. And I gave myself loads of time to do it as well. But uh, going over the Pyrenees and stuff like that, first day, and I was just like, okay. And I started removing things from my backpack. <laughs> I was like, there is some things in here that I am just not going to need. And it wasn't like loads of things. It was like, it was stuff that you could buy in a pharmacy. Can you so be specific? Like, yeah, uh, it was a lot of uh, bug spray because I, I was carrying two. And I was like, I don't need two. I can buy another one. So anything liquidy, I just started taking out and just uh, in Roncesvalles, um, there is that, I mean, you get into Roncesvalles and there's that like massive albergue that pretty much everybody ends up at, which is lovely, by the way, um, just because you start meeting everybody who's there and who will be part of your cohort for a while. Um, and they just had a table there that was like, take what you need and don't take what you don't, you know, and leave what you don't want kind of a thing or don't need. And you see a whole entire table full of stuff because everybody realizes we don't need that many things anymore. Um, but liquidy things is what I was taking out and bug spray was high on that list, extra body wash kind of a thing. Cause I was like, I'm not going to want to buy stuff. And the thing is use the pharmacies along the way and buy stuff. Um, but those were the heavy things, but pretty much I packed pretty light um, and once I figured out the pharmacy situation, I went even lighter. And I think I started shedding some clothes, extra socks that I had taken along with me, um, one extra shirt as well. I just, yeah, shed that out and I tried to go as light as possible. Good stuff. So uh, anything liquidy, yeah. probably you won't need to carry with you and you can buy, like you said, as and when along the way, when you might need it. And uh, we've said this before on the podcast that you can, there's pharmacias, the chemists, the pharmacies all along the oh, way yeah. that, that you can, great. you just look at that green flashing light in any town, yeah. sorry, yeah. green flashing cross, should I say, in any town. And um, so you, you, you shelve some socks. How many socks did you end up with in the end? I mean, these are, sound like silly questions, but this is stuff that's all important no, no, to, to pilgrims. This is super important. Yeah. This is super important. One of the things I did do was buy a pair of socks when I was there. And yeah, I paid, I mean, pay the money, pay those $18 or 18 euros or whatever the hell it is. They, they claim to be blister free and they were. Um, because I, like Chris, I don't know if you mentioned this and his, I've not listened to his podcast yet, but I will get to it. Um, it's, uh, I, I had no blisters throughout the whole entire 
journey. It was my secret goal going into it. Um, but also I got, uh, some compression socks as well, which were long ones. Um, and so it's basically those two, I had three pairs of socks with me at the end, some really small ones. Um, you know, those ankle sock thingies, but really the two pairs of socks that I kept going through was one long one that was a compression sock type thing. And then this blister sock. What was your blister sock? brand can you remember no okay <laughs> can it you was pink purple <laughs> pink purple blister socks there you go see if you can find that and i mean there's different brands that we've heard mentioned on here before unjinji yeah. uh we've met we've heard right blister socks as well um so yeah by all means um somewhere good. along the camino there was like this outdoor sports place and i was just like and i was trying to be i wasn't on a budget as much as other people but i definitely didn't have like loads of money so it, it was a decision but it was a because again it's like 20 dollars for a pair of socks and i was just like oh, you've got to be kidding me and then i was like no no i am not doing this because everybody around me was getting blisters and i was like this is not what my camino is going to look like it's so probably I'm like, yeah. Invest, invest, invest in your socks. Just do it. Great advice, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So, um, we we talked about some stuff that you've left behind. What about some things that you would take with you, were you to go again tomorrow off the cuff? So you are a person that's always got, by the sounds of it, um, you're ready to. You're very highly adaptable due to your job and your your skill set. So imagine I said to you, Zara, we're going on the Camino tomorrow and you've got to take three, you've got to pick three things that you take with you. Uh, and aside from the obvious, which will be your backpack and your um, backpack socks and shoes, what would it be? Trekking poles. It's uh, my knee is a, a huge issue for me. Even if your knees are not an issue, um, one day they will be because we all going to get older. So just protect your knees already. Take the trekking poles. It was something that was completely new for me. I'd never, I'm not like adventure girl. I'd never done anything like this before. I'm not a big hiker either. Um, so the, it, it took me a, a good five minutes. It was the first thing I wanted to throw out when I started my walk because I had no idea how to use them. But it took about five minutes. I got there, stayed patient, um, take the trekking poles and use them. Um, they, they are just super, super useful. And please put a rubber stopper on the bottom of your trekking poles because otherwise you are just annoying everybody on the Camino. Um, I would definitely, and I think Andrew mentioned this is a battery pack, but Andrew talked about a solar battery pack. A pioneer. Um, yeah, I like that idea. I am totally going to take a, in fact, just on mission and when I'm working and stuff like that, I'm going to look for a solar battery pack and take that. And the most useful, I had two super useful things, but they're of the same variety. One was a Turkish towel, which I used, yes, as a towel, but I also used it as a blanket. And then I had like this shawl wrap type thing, which I used as a head covering because I didn't take a hat with me or anything like that. Um, but when it would get hot, I would wrap it around me. I used it as my bed sheet as well. So there was something at the bottom of my bed that, uh, you know, instead of taking a sleeping bag or whatever. And I also used it as a piece of clothing. So I could just wrap it around me in the evenings so that I had that. So multi-purpose, multi-use items, incredibly important. I know I just gave you four, but the, the last two I'm combining as like one. 
No, that's perfect. The more help you can give, the better. So poles with rubber stops, so you're not thwacking the ground and getting on everyone's nerves. So uh, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen some Facebook posts uh, yeah. alluding to that matter. Um, I, to be honest with you, I never even noticed it myself. I, I've never used poles before. Um, and w to be honest with you, Zara, everything you said is such great info because... Uh, I had just booked a Camino for next month. Me and my wife were going to honeymoon on the Camino del Norte. And uh, I've just got an MRI scan back. I just wanted to do a health check because I knew my knees were not quite right my, myself. And uh, I've just seen that uh, I've got some severe degeneration on my right knee. Uh, yeah. And I've got to call it off and, yeah. and go into rehab on my knee, which is uh, yeah. devastating. I won't be doing a Camino for a good couple of years at least. Yeah, um, oh, yeah it hurts. Tough. It hurts. Uh, uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, me and my wife cried ourselves asleep a couple of nights ago oh. having to call off our Camino. But uh -oh. hey, yeah. this is a goal to put on the horizon and a challenge yeah. that um, we'll yeah. get over. Um, so the poles, I will be learning how to use myself. So thanks yeah. for that advice. The battery yeah. pack, and if you're going to be a pioneer like, um, Andrew. like Andrew, get a solar one. Um, and the Turkish towel and the shawl for multi-purpose use. Good stuff. Now, I, I would like to get into some more Camino stories if possible um, because mm -hmm. it's those experiences that make the Camino so unique and so special and so memorable and so life-changing. So I want you to recommend an albergue or a hotel or a place where you stayed for your fellow pilgrims that are coming up behind you to stay and tell us why that was so special. Um, so I can't remember the albergue itself, but it was somewhere in the meseta and the meseta was my favorite part. Um, when I think about it more and more, um, it's, I, I just loved the meseta. I think it's hard to choose a favorite albergue because so much, yeah, I mean, there's the albergue itself, but it's also about the company that you end up being with and what you're sharing so I don't have a great uh, I know it was one of the five that I stayed in the Maseta but I can't actually remember which one it was would it Sorry. be the place um, where you ended up singing in the night away or something like that Andrew Baker was saying no and this is the interesting thing about this uh, Camino crew that I have um, they became my family after the Camino more than on the Camino believe okay. it or not and right. I wanted to bring that up as something actually quite important <laughs> Because there is, and I, I guess we'll talk about it towards the end of the podcast, but the, um, it's, it's, it's when you're off the Camino and how the Camino carries with you. And uh, these guys have been invaluable on that one. We knew each other on the Camino, but it was, um, I feel like I've gotten closer to everybody post Camino. I will definitely yeah, we'll, circle we'll back to that, to that. We will towards dig into the that end, one. yeah, yeah. That we'll, we'll kind of work that into the last few questions. Okay, so yeah, and you you can't remember a t specific town it was in, a name of it, anything that people it were listening. Near, can... It was near Hornillos. This much I know. It might have actually been Hornillos, but that's right before Burgos, I think. Um, but there was this lovely little garden outside. Also, it was after four days of a heat wave, and the heat wave had sort of broken at, around that time. Um, you know, and I was just, and it was still within the first, because Burgos for me, I think was the 13th day or something. So it was still in the beginning parts. 
Maybe I'm getting my timeline all wrong because me, the Meseta comes after Burgos, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, but it, uh, no, so I, can, I can't, sorry. Well, I was just having a look online um, a few sure. places and, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you say it's or, Ornios del Camino, yeah. um, look out for an uh, uh, albergue with a garden around that area. Um, and maybe with a bit of research that can be found. So yeah. good stuff. All right. So yeah. I'd like to talk about a favorite city, town or village along the way, perhaps a hidden gem somewhere you'd recommend as an absolute must that those that are going to do the Camino soon visit to. Um, so it was, I think, um, Castro Jerez. Um, the problem with Castro Jerez, I think, is that um, I stayed outside of Castro Jerez for some reason, and this is the Maceta. Uh, so it's between, it's before you get to Fromista. And I only realized that town and what it looked like in the morning when I started walking through it. And then I got really pissed off where I was just like, you know, this is a place which I wish I had visited more and spent the night here. I was just also quite tired. I hadn't had a rest day yet, uh, I think. And uh, so that's a place I wish I had seen more. Pamplona, it's not a hidden gem, but I wish I, it was so early on for me in the Camino that there was no way I was stopping. I was just like, I'm, I'm going. But it's a place I want to go back to and and maybe this is a weird one, but I, I'm a real foodie. Um, so Astorga is, I want to go back to Astorga, but only to eat the food because their cuisine, um, and they, their cuisine has a special name. Um, it's not, I cannot remember what their cuisine is called now. Um, but Astorga is a place that I want to go back to just for a food tour, believe it or not. I remember that the um, the square in Astorga and it's it's got lots of cafes, bars, and restaurants yeah. on the fringes of the plaza, and you can kind of sit there and watch the world go by under the arches, and and they also bring out like a in Spanish I guess they call it a free consumo, like a just a free little tapas dish that they give you with you if you have a beer or something like that, and it's a yeah, yeah really pleasurable experience. And you mentioned Castro Jerez, which is. Yes in the meseta and castle on the hill that's the best way i could describe it and and yeah. i i actually when, when you said that about it being a place that you wished you'd stayed over or spent a bit more time i remember going through there early morning as well and thinking exactly the same thing yeah um, i think because the the way that it was set up like the whatchamacallit is um, uh, a kilometer or two Outside, and in fact, I think that's the albergue that I'm talking about, the one that's just outside Castro Jerez, um, that I enjoyed and liked, etc. But yeah, I was super pissed walking through at dawn and being like, this is beautiful, why didn't I see this? <laughs> um, and also, I figured out the Astorga cuisine is called Maragata. And, Maragata. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, their, their cuisine has its own name, and that's what it is. And there was, in fact, this brilliant... Um, organic type restaurant thing but it was like a tapas place as they all are um, and the food there was really really nice I really quite enjoyed it okay so you've heard many great recommendations there visits 
Castro Jerez, the castle on the hill in the Meseta. Stay there an extra day if you can. Uh, stay there a night if you can, sorry. And look at the Maragata in uh, Astorga. The, the food there is, uh, yeah. is uh, the gastronomy of, um, of Astorga. And it's different. It's the most different place I ate because, I mean, there's most of the places are pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, if you compare the beginning part of the cuisine or stuff from like Rioja or whatever, all the way to Galicia, there's some differences. But this was the one that stood out the, the mm. most. There's such microcosms. That's what the interesting thing was about the Camino as well. Like as you went through the different provinces or whatever, um, you know, microclimates, microcultures. And that that was fascinating. Mm. Definitely. Um, so it was uh, the, the, with the, sorry, I'm just making sure I've understood correctly so the listeners know exactly what's going on as well. The, the, the restaurant is actually called Maragata, correct? No. So that's the, the gastronomy. That's the gastronomy, yeah. Right, okay, just double checking because I found on TripAdvisor yeah. a place called uh, Casa Maragata. So I wanted to, I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same house page of, there. So. House, of, house of Maragata. I can't remember what the place restaurant was that I, or the tapas bar or whatever that I ate at, but uh, the cuisine itself is called Maragata. That's a yeah, great tip. So I'm just double checking that now. And it says the city of Astorga has inherited a rich gastronomic tradition thanks to which unique dishes and uh, typical specialties can be tasted without that being cocido Maragata. So Mara yeah. Maragata, perfect. Thank you very much for that recommendation. I had never heard of that before. Thank oh, you. for real? For okay. real, for real. Never heard of that before. So I'm grateful for that and I'm sure all the listeners are as well. Maragata Cuisine in Astorga. What a fantastic recommendation. So we're going to jump into some quick fire questions now, Zero, if that's okay. And um, short, sharp, sweet answers, and then we'll get back to the main discussion. So a favorite, perhaps, Camino blog or book? None, because I did zero research, so I read nothing, saw no movies, figured out while I was on the Camino that those exist, so none. <laughs> okay, let me recommend one. Uh, I've got a book that I wrote called The Only Way is West. You might oh, like that. that Tim Moore's book, book, Spanish Steps, that's another one. Uh, Keith Foskett's got another really good book, Journey in Between. Um, and we've got a guest next week who's going to be on... Uh, the, the week after you as well so you can look out for him as well and we our previous podcast guests have got a few as well so look those up and you'll see some of the books from our previous podcast guests as well and um, maybe i'm guessing your answer to this is going to be null and void as well um but a forum or facebook group that you've used uh, none, because I tried to delete Facebook before I left. But here, I'm going to answer this a little bit differently. I would recommend that everybody, if you are on Instagram, um, definitely follow the Camino de Santiago, Camino Frances, St. James Way, like that hashtag. Because what ended up happening is that I found some people who were a day or two ahead of me. So I would be able to see what they were posting and what was going on. And that was probably my favorite Facebook group in a way. Yeah, I found Instagram brilliant Super for the Camino. Useful. Yeah, I mean that's what I used most of the time, and yeah, that that for me was perfect. Excellent. So um, look up the trending Camino de Santiago hashtags on on Instagram. Um, yeah. Vlog or film? 
Uh, yeah, sorry. Useless on this. <laughs> I, I, I did zero. I mean, everybody walks their own Camino, and I 100% really did. And once I figured out that everybody else had done so much research, I was like, great, if I need, if I have any questions, I'll just ask my fellow travelers. And I I went in blind, and I was very happy to stay. But I, I would know what to expect the next day only by asking people. And other than that, I was like, I'm just going in, and let's see what happens. That's sometimes the best way to do it. No preconceptions. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't get let down if you're exactly. expecting something. You just go with the flow, take as it comes. And just have a nice surprise. I mean, the the only way we discover things is if we leave ourselves open to whatever is up there. Uh, it's a refreshing approach. I really like it. Favorite yeah. food and or drink on the Camino? Well, I think we heard about your food, which is the Maragata. Um, what about a drink? Kanya. It's a, I'm not Small actually beer. a beer, I'm not a beer drinker normally, um, but the Radla, the lemon, I called it baby beer. So that's what I would uh, end up having after a long day's walk. Um, that was the most perfect thing in the world, was that lemony, lemony beer What's thing. it called? Radler. Radler. Okay, never heard. Do you know, can you remember how to spell it? Radler, R-A-D-L-E-R. Radler beer okay um but you said kanya yeah. so which that's the that, yeah that's the small beer kanya kind of. small, yeah so yeah. kanya so i would say kanya con limon so it's um what do you guys call it in the uk so that top up shandy shandy yeah that. so basically it was those small shandies i should have okay. just gone with the big one because i had many many small ones but you know there we go okay yeah that's a really good tip i'm looking out now and it's the el, el radler the, the the radler beer yeah. Great tip. We're hearing stuff, lots of new stuff here, Zera. So really grateful for all this. Um, one thing you wished you'd packed. Uh, no, I was um, I was good. I had uh, I had what I needed at the end of the day. I mean, if anything, it's things you wish you hadn't packed. But okay. we, we, yeah. covered, we covered that. Yeah. One place you wish you stayed over, we've already done, which is um, yep. Castro Jerez. For you, what was the hardest part of the Camino? Uh, towards the end, uh, because you're so close to the end. You are so exhausted, yet you are so proud of what you have done. Um, and you realize, because for me, it was quite physical. For any, everybody, it's quite physical. You're walking like half a marathon a day um, and realizing that it was mental. Um, so just sort of getting through that and being like, yeah, it's just, I'm, I will just get there kind of a thing. And it, it became mental the last four days for me. Um, but once I realized that I, yeah, you, you just, it, it's mental. It's, 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 I've run like half marathons before. So you hit that wall and then you're just like, uh, uh-uh, it's my body will just do what it needs to do. Just get your mind through it. Second wind, second, yep. men, second mental wind as well. Um, yep. A quote or meditations for the road? Um, a quote or meditation for the road? Maybe when uh, times are, you know, when you're having a hard time, something to inspire you, keep you going. It's This is going to sound terrible because it's my own quote, but it would just make me laugh um, because I would keep saying to myself and to the three or four friends that were always that I was with quite a bit, um, I didn't come to suffer, which is the exact opposite of what everybody says on the Camino, <laughs> that it's part of suffering, but uh, I, I, I didn't go to suffer. So I would keep saying to myself, I was like, I did not come to suffer. <laughs> 
<laughs> but in some ways, that turns your intentions towards having a good time. So, yeah, I mean, I literally my reason for going on the Camino was um, I want a walking. I like walking. I like mm. good food. Um, I want to practice my Spanish. I've got seven weeks. I said I wanted to do the Camino. It all fits. So, yeah, I didn't. I was not on a spiritual journey. I wasn't on. Yeah. Sorry. This is quick fire round. So I'll, I'll stop there. But, uh, yeah. We will go into that bit towards okay. the end as well, because I think that will tie nicely into your part, what you said about how you connected with your Camino family afterwards. So we'll, yeah. we'll try and tie that in there. Um, a guilty pleasure you carried with you. Yes, I had quite a few of these, and I think these are important things to have. Um, I had a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny bottle of perfume. It wasn't even a bottle. It's one of those like tiny test tube type things, like a sample thing. Um, I had that with me, and that was one of the most awesome things to have. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, again, through my work, I know, like, you know, take, take something that is a treat. And the other thing that I did, and this is not a guilty pleasure and people shouldn't feel like it is a guilty pleasure, is I had two pieces of clothing that I would wear that, that were not my walking clothes. So I would change into something fresh-ish um, at the end of the day. So I would highly recommend that people do that because just having that mind space and that head space um, is, is brilliant and not just always being in your walking clothes. I think my wife would really, really like that tip as well because yeah. yeah. she, she, she loves a good perfume, my wife. And yeah. uh, if you give me a roll on deodorant, I'm a happy man myself. But, yeah. um, no, yeah. that's a really good tip as well. And um, I'll put that on the list for uh, our next Camino when that will be, when my knees are back in good working order. Um, okay, so I'm going to get back to the main discussion now and feel free to delve into more detail and make a more form a more elaborate answer. As we alluded to before and we spoke about before, the Camino is special for many reasons, and one of those reasons is the people we meet along the way, what you mentioned at the start, the community, and we often experience that sense of community via our interactions with, with our fellow pilgrims, and I wonder if you can recall a funny, inspiring, or quirky moment, encounter, story that embodies everything that's good about the Camino. Um, there are so many stories about yeah all the people I met and everything that was going on over there and it's not a funny quirky and maybe it is inspiring I I went in and I was like you know because I was like well I'm doing this by myself and I don't necessarily need to meet people and uh, my work requires me I am a social person but I'm also quite an introvert and my work requires me to engage with people all the time <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so I was quite happy just being by myself, but I started getting dragged in a little bit against my will where, you know, a couple of people would start talking to me and then I was like, okay, just open up and just talk to people. And I guess what's inspiring for me is my ride or die crew. We ended up being, um, it was very, very organic. It was, uh, Leslie, this Dutch guy. Um, it was quite a bit, old. well, it's, I hope Leslie listening is not going to be, I'm not that much older than her, but, uh, and I had Mama Camino who was, which I'm wondering if Chris and Andrew and Dan mentioned her because she is such a central figure for all of us. Uh, Laila Mol, the frozen Norwegian is as we called her. Um, she, like the three of us came together in such a way they were with me on the, we were together on the Meseta. 
all of us would walk alone. We never walked in a group, the three of us, but at the rest stops and towards the, uh, in the evenings, we would be at the same places and stuff. And they really became such an integral part of my, I, I cannot imagine my Camino without the Meseta and without uh, Leslie and Layla with me and the kinds of conversations that we would end up having and then I had another little separate um, community of these two people Florian and Anand um, which was also brilliant and lovely a different vibe from when I was with Leslie and Layla and then there would be the larger group the Chris Andrew uh, Sabrina I mean there were so many people Emma so many people within that group and then when we would all come together that was absolutely brilliant you know because we would all be in the same town or whatever and bump into each other and everybody would end up going out for dinner or drinks or whatever it was and it was just um, it was brilliant so I don't have a specific story to tell in that way just that I was quite lucky to find different communities for the different um, stages of the Camino and I think we end up going through different things as we are walking as well so different people for the different moods and what's happening with you and it's it's so true that the Camino provides and I didn't want to be that person who would say like sappy hippie things about the Camino but it absolutely provides I mean, in many, in so many ways, it's like life that we we meet people yeah. along the way at different stages of our life, and these people yeah. we learn can learn something from every one of them, and and maybe there's an exchange of energy between us that we both find helpful for each other. And it sounds like all of your Camino family were able yeah. to help you along the way for different reasons at different Absolutely. times, and yeah. get get you to Santiago and. And all of yep. those experiences and friendships and rapports that you build along the way just contributed yeah. to make something very special for you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's bring that in then. I mean, you said you, you developed an even deeper connection after the Camino. Um, talk about that, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got added to, because I think that there was a bunch of us who started around the same time from Saint-Jean. So I would say there was a core group of people and, you know, I was meeting them here and there, here and there. And I think it was probably Frank who was with us in the beginning, but then he was probably the first one from that group that uh, he and Dan started together. Um, and I think he must have added me to that WhatsApp group. Um, and it's quite a large whatsapp group and i was not on the same schedule as uh and this is andrew was in that group da, da, da. so yes we would see each other we would say hi whatever it was i mostly use that group and they will all forgive me for this um uh because sometimes a lot of the time they were walking a lot faster uh they had some really great recommendations coming into that whatsapp group so i used it as an information source more than anything else um but once the camino ended um just having that rapport in there and recognizing that, you know, these people were absolutely a part of my family and maybe I wasn't that connected to everybody when we were 
um, walking. And there was maybe one or two people within that that I had connected to more, you know, or we had spent separate time together, like Sabrina or Suzanne or whatever. Like, you know, we, we had done things separately or when we all showed up. Actually, that was really brilliant. Chris's, uh, Chris's birthday party. And was it in Lyon or Burgos or I think it was in Lyon that we all did that. And, you know, being invited to that and even though I wasn't part of their core group on the Camino, I still felt so much a part of their family where, you know, they would invite you to things when you were there. But just having that group post Camino, because the post Camino withdrawal is real. It is real. And every once in a while, when there are things happening in the world, um, you know, we all check in with each other. And to me, it is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Or somebody will start something. In, there's maybe 30 people on that WhatsApp group right now. I don't know, maybe more. Some silent lurkers, whatever. Um, but, you know, somebody will say something or post a picture. And then, you know, a whole conversation will start around it. And it's brilliant. And we will all start posting pictures and sharing stories and things. And it is such a, since, cause now we're in a pandemic life, you know, at the beginning and at the start of that, you know, it's, it's, we went through a whole entire thing of talking of memories and you know what it was like. And it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's beautiful. So I'm guessing you would advise to help alleviate the post adventure. Absolutely. Calm down to yeah. try to connect with as many of your, of your pilgrim contacts as possible. And I'm somebody who's not on Facebook. It's, you know, I got on for the Camino so that some people could keep track of my journey or whatever. But uh, it's uh, the WhatsApp group has been. Thank you, my WhatsApp Camino family. You guys are absolutely brilliant. And I love, you know, even though I was not such an active participant in our family on the Camino, uh, these guys have been, they have been family for me now. I want to ask you as well, if possible. If you can find something in your memory that pertains to your toughest experience on the Camino. Because there are a day when you felt like maybe you couldn't go on, a day where you felt down. And how you got through it and how you could potentially motivate others when they're having what could be a, their toughest day on the Camino? Because it, it's not always going to be roses and moonshine along the way and happy clapping and singing and dancing. There are tough times. Can you remember one? Uh, yeah, it was, which town was I going through? It was again, it was before my rest day was coming and my ankle basically, it was day 11. Um, there is a teeny tiny little town that is basically just a street and there is a church and there's like pretty much nothing else. It's really early on, um, before Belarado. Um, most people didn't stay in that teeny tiny little town, but basically like, you know, the first seven kilometers, I was all good. And the next 14, my ankle just started twinging at me super, super badly. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm not even like a third or I'm only a third of the way through. Am I actually going to make it? Am I actually going to be able to do this? And just getting into town, taking that hot shower. And this is around the time I just mentioned Anand and Florian. And, uh, I just met Anand the day before he gives awesome foot massages that man, I, literally I've just met him. Um, and, uh, he could see that I was in pain. So he basically just took my foot and started massaging 
Uh, and it was, yeah, it was amazing because I was just like, okay, if this is what the community, I mean, basically feeling that support system and knowing that we were all looking out, we, we've just met, but that we're all looking out for each other. And then Florian busted out, who I'm also just getting to know, he busts out with his guitar and we end up just having this like absolutely wonderful evening. Also, what I did, which I think people should go ahead and take the option and do if you need to, is the next day I sent my backpack forward. This is not, uh, it's, I felt zero shame in doing something like that. I think, you know, everybody walks their own Camino, but I would say about a third of the time, two thirds of the time I carried my backpack and a third of the time, um, there were days when I'm just like, I, there's, I did not come to suffer. So I would just send that backpack forward. So, you know, don't let other people judge you. You do you on the Camino because at the end of the day, it is you doing your own Camino. This is excellent stuff. Sarah, really nice stuff. First of all, because the the story that you mentioned about, I hope I pronounce his name right, Anand? Anand, yeah. Anand, okay. Anand, if you're listening. He's not a monk, monk, but he's like a yoga, Chinese medicine. He's like one of those people. He's great. He also had been like walking for like three months, like a crazy person, but yeah. Yeah, I met some crazy people. For example, I will get back to your answer, but I met a guy in Finisterre and... He was walking back the other way, and I said to him, uh, what, "How comes you're walking that way?" And he says, uh, "Well, I just walked from Switzerland to finish there, and now, God. <laughs> and, and now I'm walking home." Wow, wow, good um, for them, man. Yes, you, you, you do you. <laughs> I love that. I love that quote. You yeah. that is going to be on a billboard somewhere. <laughs> I didn't come no. to suffer. You do you. So, yeah. Anand, if you're listening, um, book me in for a foot massage, please. Um, Florian, thanks for the guitar concert. Thanks to all your Camino family for all of the, the support they provided you, the memories that you've taken away as well, the friendship that you've built afterwards and the community you've still felt so far away from the Camino. If anyone's not done the Camino and you think about it, I'm sure after you listen to this interview with with Zera that you're going to want to. And I'd like to finish on a positive. So we've gone from your hardest moment when you thought you couldn't carry on and you haven't come to suffer, so you felt no shame in sending on your backpack. Um, And I'm really, I love that. I love the fact that you just done that because I have to admit in the past I probably was... A little bit stupid in my thinking. I felt, oh, if you're not got a backpack on your shoulders, you're not doing it right. I am guilty of being a bit of an idiot thinking like that, narrow-minded. Um, so I love the fact that you've just kind of alerted me to that, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I'm able to bend my thinking in a more positive, accepting way. Um, and I will just ask you to describe uh, your your best, highest moment on the Camino, the moment where you're like this. Is the Maybe you felt it's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, it would be um, right before Saria. So Osobrero, right? So you get to Osobrero. You've done like a really difficult day. Um, I I didn't come to suffer. Um, I had also sort of lost, like at this point I was like actually by myself uh, because 
Leslie had gone forward. Lela had already gone forward two days ago or something like that. I don't know where Anand and Florian were. So I was just like, cool. I'm finally going to walk the Camino by myself. It's going to be amazing. And I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and stop where I want to stop. And this is what a real Camino is like. Um, Anand had asked me before where he was like, oh, because people were doing like these 40K days, 42Ks or whatever. The most I'd done was like 27. I was following the stages where I think you do it in like 33 days or something like that. And I was like, I, I don't need to push myself any more than that. And we came, um, it's uh, for leaving Old Sobrero. I knew I didn't want to stay in the... It was 18 kilometers to the next stage. What is the one before Saria? It begins with an A. No, uh, Trias Castella. Trias Castella, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I'm just going to go forward from Trias Castella. I don't necessarily feel the need to stay here. And then let's see what comes before I get to Saria. You know, before I get to Saria. Somewhere early on in the day, I and I had my backpack on at this time, and somewhere early in the day, I was just like, what if I make it to Saria? And I was like, don't be crazy. That's like 42 kilometers, 43 kilometers away. You you, you are not that person. Um, it's, uh, I kept walking. <laughs> and then I kept walking. And I texted Leslie, because I knew Leslie was in Saria. And I texted Leslie and said, you're there, right? And he was like, I am. And I was like, maybe. I was like, maybe I'm going to make it there. And he was like, just let me know and I'll get you a room if you're going to be here. And um, I just kept walking and I did not know I had that in me physically to be able to do something like that. And I was just blissed out and happy that whole entire day. Nothing about that day felt difficult, even though I had my backpack on. Nothing about that day felt difficult. I just kept going. It was really, really beautiful as well. Um, the walk from Osobrero going through just after Trias Costella, getting into Saria, it's like woodsy and very hobbit-like. And it was just really, really beautiful. And I remember, you know, basically once I did that, after that, it's my Camino became so relaxed because I was like, whatever, I'm not going to stress about. It's basically I stopped stressing about everything, including my backpack, where I was like, okay, if I send it forward, I don't care because I just carried it for 43 kilometers. So it was, uh, it felt like a real, uh, obviously the whole Camino feels like an achievement, but doing something like that, again, unplanned and just going for it because I felt like it was, uh, that was probably one of my, that was one of my big highlights on the Camino. That limiting belief that you exactly. overcame. Yeah. Have you used that experience in your post Camino life? Every day. <laughs> Love it. It's not so much every day, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, and I don't want to bring things down on our new reality is that we live in a pandemic. It's not even post pandemic world, it is a pandemic world. And I'm amazed at how much I actually have used the, and I live in New York City, right? So it's, uh, it, it was, it was hairy here at the start. We mm. managed to get it under control and stuff like that. But, you know, I also live with high risk people and stuff like that. But, there was so there was so much strength um, that I gained from the Camino that I did not realize that would come to me later. Um, it's it's I'm very happy that I still continue to apply it to different scenarios, different situations, and things like that. Because once you 
once you've lived off a backpack and just, you know, done all these sorts of things, you're like, well, what's going to come at me that I can't actually handle? And and you realize you have this inner strength within. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Camino was very reaffirming for me in that way. You know, you always suspect that you are a certain type of person, but having that confirmed on the Camino and then having the confidence to sort of take that forward, that's been invaluable. Beautiful. I mean, like you say, you think after you just lived out of a backpack and just put one foot in front of the other and yeah. everything turned out okay, it can kind of give you the belief that life will, in the end, turn out okay. And I remember saying to my wife when we came back from our, from our, our last commune, I just said to her, like, life is so easy without, you yeah. know, we, we already know what we're, where we're going to eat. We already know yeah. where we're going to sleep. Um, we haven't got our carrier stuff with us. Yeah. So life is easy. And we, we can sometimes be guilty of overcomplicating things. So um, Absolutely. I love the way you just, you've just put a cap on everything like that and just said you've taken that strength into the pandemic world we live in now. And, um, and I, I have got personally a lot from this interview with you. And I really, really appreciate all your insights. And you said something about you didn't know the reason why, maybe the reason why you walked it at the time or some of these things come in hindsight. And one of our guests, Caitlin, I'm going to get her name wrong, possibly Clendenin. I think that's right. Or Glendenin, I have to check it. Um, and she said, when you're on the Camino, sometimes your best lessons are yet to be revealed. And yeah, um, yeah so stick with it. it. Everything will will come out everywhere. That it will shine after the rain eventually. So and it's what you just said also it's one foot in front of the other and that was the that for me you know if you want to talk about a mantra and things like that it is very much about one foot in love front it. of the other i love it yeah i love it paso a paso a paso paso a paso step by step paso a paso, a paso. beautiful yeah. i think that's a great way to end it there zera um, thank you so much for your stories your recommendations your wisdom your quotes your own personal approach your 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 unique personality that you did it you do you and i love the fact that you did that so remember everybody if you take something away from this interview it's you do you and you didn't come to suffer yes <laughs> thank you brad it's it's just uh, it, it feels like a privilege every time i get to talk about the camino because i get to relive it so thank you so much for having me on i really really appreciate it And thank you for giving me the motivation to get my knees back to working order to go back and do it. Okay. Take care. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I just want to say, probably that you won't go back and do another Camino. You never know because you said you weren't a hiker. But if you do, um, I want to wish you buen Camino. And if you don't, I'm going to wish you the Camino motto for the rest of life, which is ultra, move forward with courage, paso a paso, step by step. Thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure, Zara. Thank you very much.